it's pop culture chaos, guys. I know it's been a very, very long time, but we're back. As always, I'm Rudy, and this is my co-host, Snow. And we have something really spooky. Originally, I had wanted to get this out in October, but I was working Netherworld, so we unfortunately just didn't have time. Um, And it was really busy this year because, according to some of my co-workers, a lot of the other haunted houses didn't reopen, unfortunately. Yes, we are still in a pandemic, everyone. So please remember to stay safe and socially distance when possible. If you can, be sure to get vaccinated. It's not a moral decision. It's a health one. Like, come on. We had to wear masks inside the haunt. Oh, my goodness. It was such a nightmare the first, like, few days because it was so hot. (laughs) A nightmare. Is that a pun? (laughs) Not really. But, um... This is more um, Snow's idea. See, what I'm trying to do is make sure we both have enough input in what we choose to record about. And she chose, hey, Goosebumps. And we had um, some people vote, and it won. So, Mm -hmm. Snow, why don't you tell us your history with Goosebumps, and then we'll talk about the author, and then we'll talk about the two books we read. I honestly don't remember how I learned about Goosebumps. Like, I really don't. It's just always been a pivotal part of my childhood I guess because I used to read a lot when I was younger like I would read and I would get a lot of my books from the thrift stores and the thrift stores would always have like books from the 90s and the 80s like I used to read a lot of Babysitter's Club the Sweet Valley High School Girl thing and Goosebumps was part of it I also remember watching the actual movies when I was like in elementary school Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> and I would remember, yeah, just the art, the cover always stood out to me. The artist Tim Jacobus was uh, amazing to me. But I, I enjoyed reading the stories too, yeah. So here's the thing um, I grew up raised in a Christian household. So spooky stuff, horror stuff wasn't really allowed until I was much older. But I watched the Goosebumps TV show. And I really liked it. I thought it was really, really well thought out. And you know what? Some of it I even thought was really spooky. Yeah, some of the stories really aren't for kids because uh, the story it originated as a story uh, books, and it's aimed for third to sixth graders. Some of these third graders should not be reading. It's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like um, I think the most popular one. I can't remember the name exactly, but it's the one with the girl in the mask. Yeah, yeah, uh, I can't that remember the name either. That one's creepy. It's just, the girl finds this really creepy mask, she puts it on, and she starts becoming, like, really mean and everything. It's really good. Like, I, I do agree with you. Some of the stuff is kind of creepy, and it's like, a uh, kid should not be reading this. There's this one where, like, these kids accidentally bump into a woman, and the woman turns out to be a witch. And it kind of, it's like a Stephen King novel, because... If you've ever read Dinner by Stephen King, it's literally that. They get turned into chickens. Like, that's an actual story. (laughs) You know, that sounds funny, but it's also sort of creepy. The descriptions (laughs) they go through, it's horrifying. That's what I'm saying. It's like a Stephen King book. It's just, these are kids. The kids are annoying, (laughs) sure, but they're kids. (laughs) See, that's, I think, what's interesting about horror that's made for a younger audience. It's sometimes scarier. And I think it's because you have to be more creative, probably. I also think it's like, it kind of digs into our primal fear because like, no, no parent's going to believe their kid's turning into a chicken. So the kid's instinct, the kid's instinct is going to be like, mom, dad, something's happening. And the mom and dad usually in these books are pretty dismissive of these kids' fears. And that's kind of scary because it's like, what else is a kid supposed to do? That's a good point. Um... So we're going to talk a little about the man himself, R.L. Stein. Like, even if you haven't read uh, Goosebumps, if you are an avid reader at all, you know this man. He's, he's famous. Like, this is literally one of the most popular book series in the world. And he's still writing books, I think, isn't he? He is, yeah. And he came out, he, he was uh, helping produce the movie, uh, the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black. There was a sequel. I didn't hear good oh, things yeah. about it, but he was involved with it. So he's still, he was still alive and kicking. He is like um, I, I think that's kind of what interest is interesting because he's he seems like a really chill dude. From what I heard, he's actually a really personable person, and he enjoys what he does. And I even remember in one of the episode of Goosebumps, 
he made a joke. He's like, hey, my mom and dad watched the episode and you pan over and it's these two mannequins with their hair up and they look terrified. And I was like, ha ha ha, that, that, that's funny. So I think, um, <laughs> I think he'd be a pretty cool person to hang out with. Um, according to this, he was born in Columbus, Ohio. And that actually explains why a lot of his stories take place in Ohio. <laughs> and it, his father <laughs> was a shipping clerk. He had a... Um, younger brother and sister, Bill and Pam, and apparently they were very poor uh, growing up. And he published his first book, a horror novel in 1986, it was called Blind Date, and it became an instant bestseller. This one I don't think I've heard of, but I want to read it. Yeah, it surprises me, because that's more like a kind of teenage kind of thing, because kids don't think about Mm -hmm. dates. No, they don't. And it says it was a teen horror novel. And this is a quote from his website. It says, Bob says, I told myself, forget the funny stuff. Kids like to be scared. And I I think that's true. Because I think it, like, doesn't it produce adrenaline or something? I agree. I think kids can process fear a lot better than adults can. And <coughs> because I feel like adult horror is always, it's reduced to jump scares. Um, that's or true. gore or violence. And with kids, you mm-hmm. can't really do that. So it has to, like you said, it has to be more creative. Yeah, see, we were talking about this, me and my fiancé. We've started to get into horror, and it's something we've been doing together. He even went to, we went through Netherworld, the haunted house together, and we were talking about, I think, what makes something scary for um, everybody. It's different, but I feel like a lot of the reasons I'm not a fan of certain horror movies is because it's like, well, what are the... why should I also care about this thing that's tormenting you or caring about this character? Because a lot of times, a lot of horror, like, um, uh, horse, I don't want to say stars, horror characters are not that likable. A lot of them end up being really terrible. So then when they die or something bad happens to them, you don't feel any remorse. You don't feel bad for them, you know? Yeah, and it it feels kind of, like, tropey when there's, like, they even made a parody. That's a whole different movie. They made a parody of the tropes used in horror movies plenty of times. Like, oh yeah, um, what is it? Ghostface. That's a parody of the slasher film. Like that was never supposed <laughs> to be serious. I know. Freddy Krueger is a parody. Freddy Krueger is a parody of horror films too. But that ended up being taken seriously as well. It's just horror has gotten so overinflated. That yeah. too formulaic, and it's it's kind of hard to find genuine horror. horror yeah like genuine something that will genuinely keep you up at night um see i feel that's kind of why horror video games are so popular now because they're just doing such a better job at horror than like movies for the most part and then they come up with character designs like lady Demetrisu. oh see, <laughs> <laughs> snow always teases me because i'm such a big simp for her that's your i'm not gonna deny it <laughs> We'll probably do an episode all about that some other time. But um, now, it's saying here that he also wrote Fear Street. Is that the new series that's on Netflix? Is that based on this? Fear Street, let's see. I haven't watched it. I heard it's really good. But um, yeah, in 1989, he created the Fear Street series. And then 1992 was the first uh, when he made... um, Goosebumps, I almost forgot the name. <laughs> and then, like it, it, like, it was an instant success. And then, like, in the same year, they had the TV show. So he was, like, on the top of his game. <laughs> that is, like, I just think that's really amazing because I sometimes feel like a lot of people don't understand. Like, I'm trying to be a writer, and I know it's not as easy as some people think it is. But to have a series be so well-received then make a TV show that's also well-received, and then go on to win three Emmys. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Like, this guy just had a, such a good streak in the 90s, and it still seems like he's doing pretty good, too, which, more power to him. I hope he does really well. I think a big part as to why he took off so instantly was that reading um it was never aimed for kids so he's the most second most popular children series behind jk rowling's harry potter 
And while it's a controversial series now, you got to remember back in the day, like back in the oh, 90s yeah. and the 80s, it was basically the only Holy book that considered crap. kids. Yeah. It was the only one. So children mm-hmm. were very limited in what they were able to read. That and is true. So it blew up. And of course, with the horror genre, as we said, especially the 80s, the horror genre was very like cryptic. It was very aliens. Uh, they live um, gory. Mm-hmm. And kids aren't drawn to that. So I think... Um, it's like we said a while i can't remember which one it was uh we did a uh, an episode earlier this year and i mentioned that uh well both of us mentioned that when it comes to kids you have to remember their people like you can't it's not like every kid is gonna like a repetitive formulate kind of media like they're still having their own interests and i think goosebumps Mm -hmm. really taps into the mentality of a child but still treats them like people oh Um, yeah fantastically his his first book, which was released in 1992, was Welcome to the Dead House. And the plot, it, I remember watching, I remember this so well, because we watched it when I was in elementary school, and the teacher had to roll in the TV. It was on a VHS tape, which tells you how old this thing was. Oh, jeez. And I remember this because one of the students, I can't remember his name, but he actually cried in the middle of the movie. He had to be taken out of class to calm. Yeah, he had to be taken out of class to calm down. He was that terrified of it. That's why I remembered it so well. And then when I looked into the plot, right now it was it says that it revolves around the i remember that it revolves around the family still there in a neighborhood and the neighborhood's really weird but they're just like oh we're new so everyone wants to know what we're doing no they're zombies and then i remember the movie they try to eat the kids they try to eat the oh, whole jeez. thing and i'm like what, what a way to start off a series we're third graders <laughs> what in the world <laughs> yeah but i think i do really have to admire R.L. Stein for taking, you know, kids seriously. And I think that's another reason why sometimes, you know, it takes some, like, I think, I know Harry Potter is controversial, but, you know, before all that crap with J.K. Rowling, you know, I will admit Harry Potter took the kids seriously. You know, it didn't talk down to them. And R.L. Stein doesn't either. And that I can really appreciate because um, I've said this before. I really don't like it when people talk down to kids. Kids are not stupid. They may not be brilliant, but they are not stupid. Right, they're developing because everyone has to develop in the world. They just give them that time, give them that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually what's also really interesting about R.L. Stein, he's married. <laughs> I'm just, I, there's a picture of him and his wife it, on his <laughs> website with his grandson. And I'm just like... And she looks really sweet, and I'm just like, I, Richard's like, I don't, you know, I didn't imagine him, like, ever getting married, but I'm like, oh, good for him. And I just think it's really cute because the kid, the baby in the picture looks a little confused. Like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm, I'm lost, guys. <laughs> I do think his background as being such a family guy is really what contributes to being such an amazing children's author. Probably. I think that, too. He even wrote a book for his nephew. He wrote a little, a book called Little Shop of Monsters, and, um... Mark Brown, you know, the guy who created Arthur the Aardvark? Mm-hmm. He did the illustrations, and apparently they have more um, kids' books in mind. So I'm like, that's actually really cool. So you know what? Claps for R.L. Stein. I'm glad he's still making stuff. I'm glad he didn't just quit, you know, because some people is like, yeah, I'm not going to write anymore. You know, so good on him. I think R.L. Stein's also good because you can tell he's a genuine man. He's a genuine oh, yeah. uh, figure because... Unlike the author of Harry Potter, you know, he's not enveloping himself into controversy despite being from his time. Because Arl Stein's is an older man, but that doesn't stop him. He's cur- he's clearly driven by his by his passion. He does it because he loves entertaining kids, because he loves being that 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 space for them, I guess. Because a lot of kids who end up watching or reading Goosebumps grow up to enjoy the horror genre and end up watching oh, yeah. other classics such as um, Jason Voorhees, uh, Friday the 13th, Nightmare Halloween, on Elm Street, yeah, Halloween, stuff like that. Chucky, etc. And you know, it's like I said, I didn't get a chance to read the books, but I watched the show and I'm like, you know what? This is probably why I'm sort of into horror now. I love horror video games. I've started watching the classic horror movies and I'm enjoying a lot of them. And I am a Han actress, you know, so I think, you know, honestly, Goosebumps is probably a good introduction for any kid to get into horror. Because, um, now see, we read two books. There's a bunch of them, but I let Snow pick out the books, and we read Say Cheese and Die and Go Eat Worms. And I think these books, these were written in the 90s. I think they still hold up. 
I think that Say Cheese and Die is funny to me because a big part of the plot is uh, a camera, but not not like a digital. It, it's literally a Polaroid camera, the kinds you take the picture out and shake it up. So like nowadays, I could see that happening because kids, that's um, coming back into style is the whole shaking a uh, camera that develops your picture instantaneously. So the plot to Say Cheese and Die is they find a random camera and they start and whenever whenever she takes a picture of it the the main character is a photographer she works for her school newspaper and she gets competitive with this one guy one of her classmates and she wants to take a picture so she got tries to get a better camera cuz you know his family has more money than her so she's like i just need a better camera and i'll win but every time she takes a picture bad things happen whatever the picture shows is what's going to happen and this is where it gets kind of scary because she has a friend and i remember the friend her friend's name was Rena and she was gushing about how much she loved her friend. Her friend was so pretty. Like she was very close to this friend. She takes a picture of Rena and in the picture, um, Rena's eyes turn red. So she's like, oh, it's just red eye. Like, you know, I'll develop it later. But then Rena's eyes start to burn and she basically becomes blind. Oh. And, and that's kind of a, a jump from what was happening before. And so Rena says she doesn't want to talk to her anymore because she made her go blind. She doesn't know what happened to the camera or whatever, but she just doesn't want to talk to her. So she loses a friend. And she, her, and she tries to get rid of the camera, but it keeps coming back to her. And people keep trying to tell her to take pictures of that because she's a photographer. Um, there was a basketball game she was trying to take pictures of. The player ended up breaking their arm. Um, there was somebody fell off their bike and like hurt their ankle. Like a lot of bad things keep happening. <laughs> and that's pretty terrifying. And then the Go Eat Worms one. I remember watching the movie. The movie terrified me more than the book. I bet the, the book was kind of corny. Gross. Yeah, the the book was kind of corny. But the concept of that is this kid has a weird obsession with worms, and it's like in the book it's stated multiple times. Nobody thinks his obsession with worms is normal, <laughs> and he doesn't even seem to know why he likes worms. He just and, and it's not even like oh he he's fascinated and he likes to um, he likes to like have him as pets like he likes torturing them he likes to cut them in half he likes to dissect them he likes to throw them at people it's just he has this weird affinity to worms and this is where things start to get corny because i can't uh remember i think uh the worms try to eat him he tried a worm tries to eat him basically and i'm like what the hell <laughs> happened <laughs> well i think he kind of deserves it because i this is gonna sound awful but this kid is a little shit he is so awful especially to his sister i know little brothers are supposed to be awful but oh my god he's the older brother that's the bad part his sister Wait, he is yeah oh my goodness <laughs> so i i think his name was doug i can't remember his i remember the sister's name was robin but um what he uh yeah he's a co this is exactly what rudy was just describing where a main character is so unlikable that you can't feel bad when shit goes yeah. bad for them <laughs> Now, see, I He's am going to... Even his best friend is like, you got to calm down with the worms. So, the thing is, um, I think I might have read the, the a wrong version of... Not a wrong version. There's more than one version of Say Cheese and Die. Oh, yeah. There's three versions of the story, and I read one, but it's also really similar. I I think this one's kind of interesting. It kind of gives me like a little of a, a what's it called, Twilight Zone vibe. It's similar to the one Snow Red. It's about these four kids. They're really, really bored, and there's this old house called the Kaufman House. And they're like, hey, let's go inside the Kaufman House. It's old, it's abandoned, so of course kids are drawn to it. They go inside, they're messing around, and then one of the kids, Greg, finds a camera. And he takes a picture of his friend Michael, and then as soon as he takes that picture, Michael gets hurt. Michael was leaning on a railing, and the railing breaks and he falls. And so the same thing sort of happens where he's taking pictures of everybody and um, stuff happens. He even takes a picture of his family's new car and then his dad gets in a wreck. It's, you know, and I liked it. I thought it was actually like genuinely creepy too because he's like, I don't know what's going on. And he even tries to tell a police officer what's happening and the police officer doesn't believe him. He's like trying to tell him like this camera's evil, and the police officer's like, "I think you need to go home, son." Like that's basically <laughs> what he says. <laughs> but see, what was funny is there's this creepy old dude, and he's got he's tall, he's got spindly legs, so they call him 
Spidey. And I keep that, and every time I saw Spidey, I'm like, Spider-Man. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a really interesting idea, but also I remember the Say Cheese and Die episode, and a while back, there's this YouTuber I follow, his name is um his name is Dominic Noble, and he runs this little series called um oh, what is it? I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Oh, Lost Ad- Lost in Adaptation. He takes books and compares them to the adaptations of those books. And he did a crossover episode with Pushing Up Roses, and they did the Say Cheese and Die episode, which features a baby Ryan Gosling. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, and I was like, I, he looks. It's weird because I still think he looks kind of similar to how he looks now, but man, he was baby faced. <laughs> <laughs> It is so surreal to look at him and be like, you were in the notebook, dude. <laughs> you will be in the notebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just to show you. That just goes I to know. show you how old this the series is. It's like really is a classic. I imagine it'll go vintage or something. The same way we look oh, yeah. at like um like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff. I feel like oh, R. L. Totally. Stein definitely made his line in history. I really love his stories. It's extremely nostalgic mm-hmm. to me. Also, he created, I think, a character that I still find genuinely terrifying to this day is Slappy, the dummy. Oh, my God. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows Slappy. Slappy's a dick. <laughs> Slappy is a dick. Honestly, I think he's scarier than Chucky is, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, when I... I So, when I watch Chucky, I watch the, the Latin dub. <laughs> so I, grew, I grew up knowing him as Chucky, and I accidentally saw the sequel first. So when I saw Chucky, I was confused more than anything. I remember the scene where the bride throws nails in somebody's face, and my mom didn't appreciate that scene. <laughs> I bet she didn't. But Slappy, yeah, way more terrifying. And he never kills anyone. That's so wild. Slappy know. doesn't kill anyone. He just wants He's to enslave crazy. people. And yeah. this is the weird part that always stood out to me. Slappy, every time he goes to a family, he always targets a family with a young girl. He wants the young girl to marry him. And it's, it's, so, ah. it's so disturbing how every single time, because Slappy re- appears multiple in multiple stories, every single time he purposely finds a family with a young girl and he wants to marry that young girl. <laughs> and, like, he's kind of, I think you would call, like, the Goosebumps mascot in a way. Because yeah. a lot of times they use Slappy on art for stuff. And he was also, like, I think the main villain in the first Goosebumps movie. So he's kind of, like, you know... I guess iconic in the Goosebumps series. And you know what? I'm not someone who's actually really like afraid of puppets, but Slappy terrifies me. Like, he's just, it's not just the fact that, you know, it's creepy, but the thing is he's, he's cruel. Like he enjoys being cruel, you know? I think Slappy is more recognizable and iconic than Billy the Puppet from the Saw movies. Oh, totally. (laughs) I I think Slappy could be, Billy in like a fist fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take away his tricycle, he's nothing. <laughs> well, see, because also there was when the dummy came. See, it's I think he first appeared in Night of the Living Dummy. Yeah. And in the show, he appeared three times, and in one of them, there was a there was a new doll. The little sister had a doll, and she was a bride, and she wanted to marry Slappy, and I was just like what like it to me i thought it was so bizarre that there would be another toy that would even be remotely interested in slappy because slappy is just straight up scary (laughs) besides that he's also just like i said he's really really cruel he's a straight up misogynist like that's an actual plot point he hates women but it's like you're a puppet (laughs) <laughs> Why do you yeah. hate women? <laughs> I don't think we ever explained it, but it is true because, like he says, he wants to marry the girl. And I remember the episode with the female doll because she thinks he, he takes out a ring and she, the doll thinks, oh, he wants to marry me. He's like, no, not you, her, and points to the young girls like, you'll be my slave and all this stuff. And I was just like, Ugh. it was really uncomfortable. But I mean, it stuck with me. <laughs> it worked. I. I wonder if they ever, like, marketed Slappy as an actual dummy to sell. Oh, God. That would have been a terrible idea. 
Oh, so many kids wouldn't have been able to go to sleep. It was released in 1993, the first one. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so the first one was in 1993. The second one was in 2003. And the third one was in 2008. I can't remember which one it was. But I remember watching the movie of one of these three. And this this is... Well, it's a good horror... Um, well, this is a good horror series. It's still really corny because it is for kids. <laughs> But I remember yeah. the ending on one of the movies. I think it was the third one. It's a family who actually collects puppets. And so it's not that strange to see Slappy because he's with all the other puppets. And then at the end of it, when it looks like Slappy's going to win, the other puppets get up and just beat him up. And I'm like, wait, what? And then the family's like, yeah, like they're celebrating. I'm like, but y'all just have a bunch of living dummies in there. Like, is that not going to bother you? Yeah, he beat up Slappy, but but they're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I kind of love how we went to a digression about Slappy, but it would be hard to talk about Goosebumps without mentioning Slappy at all. Just because he is a very iconic character, so... Um, so, uh, the Goosebumps series is on Netflix, so, you know, if you want to watch it, you can, you know, relive your childhood, see if it's cheesy or not. Um, I know they uh, rebooted it a while back. It used to be on The Hub, which was the Discovery Channel, but like for kids. I'm gonna check real quick. Because oh, I remember- you know what's another, what's another uh, memorable thing about Goosebumps? Everybody what? loves the intro of the show. Oh yeah! The intro, intro is so, was so catchy. Cool. It's so catchy, <laughs> it's so <laughs> nice. <laughs> Every Halloween there's this viral video and I don't know who she is. She's a young woman, uh, a girl dancing to it and she's just going all out. It's hilarious. I love it. It's, the intro it's is so great. very catchy song and there's no words but it's just, there's something about it. Like whoever, you know, came up with that music did a really good job. It's straight up <laughs> piano too and like just some like, what is it, the xylophone? It's amazing. Yeah. Y'all should listen to it. There's no lyrics but y'all should listen to it. <laughs> it is really good. I wish I could remember the name of the the newer series, because there was a really creepy story in that one where um, I think they were sort of basing it off like American Girl, but instead of getting a small doll, you got a life-size doll that looked like yourself. That is horrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the thing was is, you know, they're like, oh, this is a cute little thing to do. I'm like, not really, because again, it's a life-size doll. And... Um, what happens is the girl, she's a little pain, you know, nobody likes her, her mom is trying very hard, and also her brother doesn't, you know, really like her, and then she gets the doll, the doll starts to replace the girl, the doll is slowly becoming more human, and it's trying to take the place of the girl, and like, that's actually, you know, I still thought it was genuinely creepy because, you know... That's like a Junji Ito plot right there. I swear oh, I've yeah. seen that exact plot before somewhere. That is terrifying. You know that you say that that does sound like something Junji Ito would write. Uh, <laughs> I always think of... Uh, it was made for me! This is my hole! Uh, every time. Still creeps me out. Oh my god. Yeah, but I honestly think what's amazing is that Arl's... R.L. Stein has managed to, you know, not just keep working, but still sort of not lose his touch, if that makes sense. Like, some people, you know, after they've been around for a while, like, you know, they can continue to work, but not everybody, um, you know, not everybody does as well. You know, like, they're getting older, maybe they're just losing their touch or something, but, um... He hasn't. Like, I still think he's actually doing pretty good. What I do think is amazing is Arl Stein grew up during some pretty hard times, but never once has he ever, like, been offensive with it. Like, you know, his his writing is really corny, but it's never, it's always going to appeal to a child. Like, there's never anything that would make you be like, oh, this is too political or this is mm -hmm. too blasphemous or anything, which I think is a, really a skill nowadays because most people have, skeletons in their closet they don't want their fans to find out and i mean yeah. like i he's called the stephen king of children's stories and stephen king has written some pretty horrendous things oh, back in the stephen day king. <laughs> so for rl Stein to write horror and still never like step on anyone's toes it's amazing it's something that oh. needs to be admired totally yeah um i found the show it was called 
The Haunting Hour. I the, remember that. <laughs> and the episode was called Really You. Lily is given her own life-size Really You doll. Soon after, strange events occur that Lily's mother accuses Lily of calling. Lil- Lily maintains her innocence and that Lily D is alive. Soon, Lily mother starts to care more about Lily D than Lily, even letting her sleep in her bed. Oh, wow, I forgot the mom was weird in this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, so honestly, at the end of the day, I really am thankful for R.L. Stein for giving kids some actually good horror and not relying too much on, you know, you know, like, because he could be gory with it, but, you know, gore by itself is not scary, and you can also be scary without having to rely on that stuff, and I think he does a really good job. He takes his craft very seriously. I'm on his website right now. I just found out he has a writing program for teachers and librarians. Oh, dude, that's awesome. It's completely free. Per the description, my writing program includes the following. How to get ideas, how to develop your ideas, how to get started writing, and how to never have writer's block. I've enclosed all my best writing tricks and secrets in this program. It is totally free of charge. You may download it and make as many copies as you like. I hope it leads to many fun writing projects. Signed, R.L. Stein. That is awesome. Man, he really is cool. I'd love to meet him one day. Honestly. Okay. So, now do we want to go straight into recommendations and then news, or do news and then do recommendations? Mm. Let's do news. Because we have some fun stuff here. (laughs) Woo! Alright, so... Now, this one might take a little bit of explaining, but if you are not into K-pop, aka Korean pop... Um, there's a very popular band called BTS. I think it stands for Backstage. I'm, I'm not sure. Behind but the they're like, I think, oh yeah, that's what it stands for. And I'm gonna probably, I don't have like data to back this up on hand, but I think they're probably the most popular uh, K-pop band in the world right now because they're not just popular over in Korea. They're super popular over here in the states. They are extremely popular. Um. Like, they, they have a massive fan base. Um, there's merch of them everywhere. Hot Topic has their own BTS section. Okay? These guys have Funko Pops. That's kind of <laughs> how you know you have arrived is when you get a pop. But, um, now see, I'm gonna maybe get in trouble for saying this, but I was like, eh, BTS, whatever. I had nothing against them. I just wasn't interested until they released a song called Butter. And I listened to the song. I'm like, okay, this is actually really good. This slaps. And then Megan Thee Stallion, our lord and savior and my future (laughs) wife, just said, hey, I really like this song. I'm going to make like a remix. And it was also really good. And I'm like, this really, really works. And the song got really, really popular. Now, originally, Megan and BTS were going to perform at the AMAs, but something happened and unfortunately... Megan could not attend. And I know she was like really upset. The hotties were upset. And I know probably BTS were upset. But then BTS, they were performing in Los Angeles. And who should appear? That's right, Megan. Megan appeared on stage with BTS to sing Butter with them. Like everybody was freaking out on Twitter. I'm like, what's, what's going on? And I saw it. I'm like, oh my goodness. And everyone's <laughs> like, this is so great. Like, you know, people were live tweeting the event. And at first, you know, I was worried. I'm like, oh, no, did something happen? But, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, guys, look, look at Megan with the with the band and everything. And I think, like, the, like they really get along because from what I've seen, like, they respect each other as artists and they seem to really like each other. So it was really cute to see her on stage with the band because, like, they were just having so much fun. They were happy that she was there. You know, the crowd is losing their mind. It looked like so much fun and I was just really happy that Megan got to perform the song with them because I knew she was upset about missing the AMAs like it really upset her is that that clip that's going around where like she's twerking (laughs) that's very vague knowing Megan but like I feel like there's a clip is she wearing a pink dress no, it's when she's wearing black stockings. Nope, nope, nope. That I think was from something else. This she's wearing this really cute pink outfit. Um, but yeah, I don't know if she like if they planned that or if she just surprised. I don't know, but it was a lot of. It looked like she was having fun. Um, but again, like I said, Megan was super unhappy that she knows she missed the AMAs. Um, 
she's had a fantastic year, so I'm happy that she got to do this. And I'm, you know, happy for BTS because, um, yeah, like it says, um, RM, one of the members of BTS, said, it was perfect because we felt very sad for the AMAs, and now you're here. So I'm, I'm just really happy for them, and I like seeing... Um, I like seeing singers interact with each other or, and, you know, like being happy that that person's there. So I just really liked their interactions. It was really cute from what I saw. I just looked up this picture. She looks amazing. Doesn't <laughs> she? It looks yeah, that, so that's, cute. That pink really flatters her. That's amazing. Oh, it's something different too, but she looks really good. I think it's her hair too. She looks very like, uh... 60s housewife <laughs> in a good oh, yeah. way. <laughs> but it works, yeah. It really is different from what she normally wears, but she looks fantastic in it. Have you heard the song, Snow? I have not, and I don't know much about K-pop. I think it's a cult. <laughs> so, but I'm glad That's a whole nother episode. I don't think we have time to do... Like, guys, if we did an episode on K-pop, it would probably be three hours long, because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> but I do think it's nice, because... Um, it's very, let me just say the K-pop fandom is very harsh. It's that very um, tight-knit. Like, people are very uh, critical about everything in K-pop. So oh, for yeah. them to welcome, like, the band to actually welcome Megan so beautifully, it's amazing. Especially since K-pop has an extreme influence from hip-hop and rap oh, yeah. that nobody seems to want to acknowledge. To have a, one of the most successful rappers of 2020 to 2021 featured with them is amazing this is going to go down in music history absolutely because oh, this yeah. is uh also helping fight the the fear of foreign media breaking into the states because megan is an american rapper and these bts boys are korean so you know makes it just makes it it's so nice it's so pretty this, you yeah. rarely see this anymore uh-huh well also the thing is is megan was like oh i want to do a remix and they were like oh my gosh like they were really honored so you know they they get it so yeah that's um big entertainment news now this i think was just announced today yep it was just announced today everybody knows who channing tatum is he's hunky he's funny and he is coming back to magic mike hey that's right we're getting a third magic mike film this is apparently going to be the last one it's going to be on hbo max and he of course is reprising his role He's really, he seems really excited for it, which I don't blame him because I think this is one of his like uh, favorite roles. I will say I haven't seen the first two Magic Mics, but I'm willing <laughs> to watch them. Oh, I like Channing Tatum. He's funny. I feel like a lot of people forget he's genuinely funny. He's like hilarious. Hold on, I'm just trying to see something. I, if I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm gonna verify my sources. I think the reason Channing Tatum likes... Yep, I was right. Okay, so Channing Tatum was actually a real-life male stripper. He was a male stripper in Florida, and that's why Magic Mike is so personal to him, because male strippers are very, very rarely talked about, and when he first came out with it, he um, he actually spoke out against how, the, how much of a double standard it was, because you have strippers such as Amber Rose or Cardi B or Black China. Who get a lot of hate for being strippers before you know breaking into the mainstream entertainment media but he became a stripper he made a whole movie franchise off of it and he's still successful he pointed out well, why is it because i'm a stripper nobody says anything but they they they're open about their stripping experiences and it's like you slut shame them you you criticize their their them trying to survive it you know so i do mm -hmm. appreciate that he brought out that double standard when it comes to the sex work industry and how oh yeah he's he's comfortable he's happy with it he, he's never once felt bad about being a stripper he's just very open about it but he gets treated so much more differently than other women who come forward as strippers who say they did it for survival who say they don't recommend it but they don't shame people who have to do it and things like that yeah, and also, like, I think the thing about Channing Tatum, he's always been sort of like, you know, oh, girls are in love with him, but he's always sort of felt like a really down-to-earth, grounded dude, you know? Like, he seems like a genuine person, like someone you could meet at, like, a coffee shop and talk to. And that's why I think another reason people like him so much. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm happy that he was outspoken about that, and I'm really happy he's doing another Magic Mike movie. So, you know, kudos to him. I hope that all goes well. And I'm going to catch up on those movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, 
Okay, we, I might get in trouble for this one too, but um, <laughs> okay. So, according to Tom Holland, the current Peter Parker, he is sealed. He is signed on to make three more Spider-Man movies. Now, if you've been like living under a rock for the past century. You guys know what the MCU is, and of course, like, if you've been, like, living under a rock for maybe, I don't know, the past 20 years, you also know who Spider-Man is. Um, well, (laughs) they announced, you know, they're doing the, I think this is his third Spider-Man film currently, Spider-Man No Way From Home, which is being released next month after being pushed back multiple times. It's finally being released. People have been losing their minds about getting tickets, but, um, uh, Tom Holland came forward and said that he is officially going to be Spider-Man for three more films. I'm not sure how to feel about this. Mm, so, for anyone who doesn't understand why this is controversial, Spider-Man Peter Parker has been recasted multiple times. Uh, Andrew Garfield and... Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire are the most famous um, reasons because... From what I understand, from what I recall, is that Andrew Garfield made, like, a cheeky comment about spoilers, and he was fired, like, immediately. And they had, it was either him or Tobey Maguire, whichever one, but the thing is that being Spider-Man, being being Peter Parker is, like, a risky job. There's no job security in the acting role, so for Tom Holland to come forward and... Because he's, like, the teenager heartthrob right now, everybody's, like, talking about him and Zendaya, and... He's British, so everybody loves him. It just feels kind of like, well, nothing against Tom, Mr. Holland, but why, why, why does he have so much more security than the other two actors before him, who were amazing at their role and deserve oh, yeah. the recognition? Like they, they did an amazing job, especially since you got to remember, Tom Holland currently has a lot more technology um, to working with him nowadays because when he came out i I believe it was spider-man homecoming that was like what 2017 2016 Mm -hmm. versus toby Maguire and andrew garfield who had the technology of like the 80s (laughs) um and the movie still aged pretty okay like they're not perfect but they're they look amazing enjoyable yeah and for them to lose their jobs over something so minuscule yeah comments that they're allowed to make like they have freedom of speech for a reason but the mcu has gotten so finicky with what's considered a spoiler and what isn't that like it just feels kind of a slap in the face to mcguire and garfield who didn't deserve to lose their roles (laughs) i mean we probably are gonna do an episode like an episode about the mcu in general it's not for here but another thing also is this is me. This is not. I, I'm. I'm thankful to know it's not just me who feels this way, but a lot of other people do. Tom Holland is not Peter Parker. He's Iron Man Junior. Ha ha ha! That is absolutely true. <laughs> Thank you. Like again, this is nothing against Tom Holland. I actually think he's a good actor. It's just they took everything that made Peter Parker Peter Parker, got rid of it, and made him just a a Junior Iron Man. Not to mention what also really pissed people off. They stole a lot of Miles Morales, it, like his his background and his personality, and gave it to MCU Peter Parker. Like his friend, um, is a Ned Ned and Peter Parker's friend Ned. He's basically a ripoff of Miles' friend uh, Ganky. I'm probably saying the name wrong. I'm sorry, but because um, it, it's really frustrating because people were like, "We want a Miles movie. We want a Miles movie." Like we're gonna give you Peter Parker again for the umpteenth time and then you know into the spider-verse came out and everybody was like oh my god miles finally and then you just sort of see how they took a lot of his story and gave it to peter parker in the mcu yeah and that's nothing like you said it's nothing against holland like he's a he's a good actor don't get me wrong especially since he's so young it's really hard to be a young actor but it's just he was written into a corner because the writers, like you said, ripped off Miles Morales' the story and try to put in Iron Man into what is Peter Parker. And that's not his story at all. And it's not even about accuracy. It just feels like when you compare it to what Tobey Maguire gave, what Andrew Garfield gave, what Into the Spider-Verse gave, it's kind of just like, it, it, it's weird. It's just, why are you writing yourselves into a rock and a hard place? Like, what is the reason? <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, is also just, 
I think also another thing is I've kind of noticed this is even though a lot of people like Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man, every time we start talking about the Tom Holland and Spider-Man, Spider-Verse starts trending like the next day or something. And I'm just like, you know, it's not a good sign that when you like, hey, we're releasing a new Spider-Man film and everybody's like, we want more Spider-Verse. <laughs> like automatically, every time people's like, we want more Spider-Verse stuff, you know? And see, I really feel like this Spider-Man's kind of at a little bit of a disadvantage because it is coming out after Into the Spider-Verse, which won the Oscar for Best Animated Picture, and it's considered to be, like, the best Spider-Man movie in existence. I kind of feel like, you know, people are going to sort of be comparing Tom Holland's Spider-Man to Into the Spider-Verse more, you know? People were extremely critical of Into the Spider-Verse because of Miles Morales, so I can agree with that. Because not everybody, <clears throat> and this is a fault on the fandom itself, but not everybody um, engulfs all of the MCU. They A lot of people simply watch the movies and that's that. And a lot yeah. of people purposely didn't watch Into the Spider-Verse because it was animated, because it wasn't live action. And with that, once they learn about Miles Morales not knowing any better, they're going to start saying, I imagine they're going to try and say that, oh, Miles Morales ripped off Peter Parker. Miles Morales has his own story. It's just mm-hmm. everybody refused to acknowledge it until Tom Holland made his... Uh, made his footing into internet because he's he's a nice guy he's british there's a lot of memes around him everybody likes to speculate between him and zendaya so he's so likable that when miles morales story came out the only ones who could tell that there was something off were the fans who read the comics who knew about him anyway which is the silent majority you know so mm-hmm. marvel doesn't really pay attention to them marvel more so pays attention to the numbers yeah, but the thing is, is I don't understand why they didn't, because not only did Into the Spider-Verse do phenomenally well, um, the Miles Morales video game has also done fantastically. And the thing is, is Disney usually has the animated category for the Oscars, like, locked down, you know? Almost every single year they win. So not only did Into the Spider-Verse win the Oscar, it also won the Annie and the uh, Emmy. Wait, was it the Emmy or? I think it was the Emmy. I can't remember. But it won all three categories. Disney didn't win anything. Not even like their Pixar film that was out during that year. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> No, no, you want to know? Okay, so this, I'm always going to find this hilarious. But um, you guys know when you go to a store and a movie has won an award, it says winner of the best uh, picture Oscar, best supporting actor or actress or something like that. Well, they do that, of course, for animated DVDs. Now... I don't know if someone at Disney told the people at Target to do this, but <laughs> the day after the, the Oscars, someone put a sticker on the second Wreck-It Ralph movie, which was nominated also for a Best Animated Picture, saying it had won the Oscar. And it hadn't. Spider-Verse had won. <laughs> I'm, I just am always going to find that so freaking hilarious. Uh, just... I mean, first of all, the second Wreck-It Ralph movie wasn't that good. And also, it's like comparing a a tiny little, like, insignificant burger to, like, a Wagyu beef steak. Of course, Spider-Verse was gonna win. (laughs) Disney's just so used to their name, they're not, they don't know what it's like to actually have competition, I guess. Yeah, so, see, actually, because of that, I think... Miles might possibly show up in this next Spider-Man movie. I'm not 100% sure. Um, because this is also related to the multiverse thing and Marvel's trying to do. And to be honest, um, I saw the trailer for the movie and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be good or not. Like, it's one of those things because I want to be excited and they have Alfred Molina coming back as Doc Ock. Willem Dafoe is supposedly coming back as the Green Goblin, so it's like, I want to go see them, but I don't know if it's going to be worth it, you know? I might wait for it to come out on Disney+, Plus. I don't know, I'm still sort of on the fence about the movie. about what did have you seen the trailer for the new spider-man movie do you have any thoughts on it do you not care what do you think 
I have not seen the trailer, but um, I did see Spider-Man Homecoming, and even with Tom Holland, I have to say, I'm Into the Spider-Verse definitely set my expectations higher, and seeing what they can do with animated, I would prefer if they just stop writing Iron Man Juniors into everything. Because <laughs> um, Tom Holland's a great actor, like I said, it's just he's being written into a corner, and yeah, there's only so... There's only so many times uh, a, an audience will have patience for the pre-pubescent boy being too excited being too cocky wanting to jump onto the, the thing before like the adults are like stop being annoying it's like that 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 worked with homecoming i can't imagine how that's going to work later on because they also did it again with the i don't feel so good mr stark i remember that was a big meme so it's like yeah. he, he can only pretend to be 14 for so long before people are going to be like just get a younger actor again because that's what yeah. happened to mcguire and garfield it's like spider-man is a teenager yes but if everyone else is allowed to grow up i feel like spider-man should be allowed to grow up too yeah and again that's what they did in spider-verse you know they had peter b parker who's i think like maybe in his late 30s and he's very jaded i'm like this works though it's perfect why don't you do that yeah, I like the multiverse. I want to see more Spider-Gwen. I do like that because oh, it's so creative, but it shows the different sides of personality that a character can have while still being a recognizable character. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, the MCU never accepted. They always try to find the cookie cutter to be uh, to play a Spider-Man. And it's like, no, stop. <laughs> yeah, see, I honestly think um, I was... Uh, somebody was talking about this like on Tumblr about how the MCU... While it's still popular, they don't think it's gonna like continue. It's it's still gonna be popular, but not in the way it used to be. And I think it's not only because is there more superhero media, but also because the inconsistencies in the writing has become really noticeable. And like you said, they've kind of written themselves into a corner. And I'm thinking maybe they realize that and that's why they're doing the multiverse to open it up to other stories because like i wouldn't mind seeing live action miles morales or live action spider gwen or even a live action spider-man noir but i don't know i mean we just have to wait and see again i literally have nothing against tom holland i he seems to be a really genuinely great guy i've heard he's great like he's also a really good actor I haven't seen him in other stuff yet, but, you know, he can dance and stuff. And he loves being Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. So, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to dislike him. You know, it really is hard to dislike this guy. You know, when you brought up the live action Miles Morales, it reminded me, they actually teased that in the Homecoming film. They teased it. The character, oh, that's right, they did. The character that Donald Glover played, um. Mentioned he, his nephew. Yeah, Miles. So they teased that. it. So now I'm expecting it. <laughs> See, the thing is, is I feel like, you know, I, again, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Sony still owns the rights to Spider-Man. They just allow Disney to use Spider-Man in their films. But, like, Disney can't make Venom films. That's all on Sony. All the Venom films, that's Sony. Spider-Verse was Sony. I think they're making another film based on another Spider-Man character, but I can't remember who it is. But, like, Sony still owns the right to Spider-Man, which I actually think is really smart. But, um, I'm wondering, like, if they're, like, we want to use Miles. I'm wondering if that'll be a whole other can of worms for Disney to open and how they have to deal with the rights for that. Because a while back, I think there were rumors that they somehow lost the rights to Peter Parker or something. Disney is losing its grip on copyright and I am excited to see it go. Oh, thank goodness, yeah. <laughs> Once again, that's another thing we could have a whole episode on, which we'll probably <laughs> do at some day. Um, I also wanted to, you know, talk about some movies that are coming out, because even though we're still in the middle of a pandemic, they are releasing movies still, and some of them are coming to theaters. Let me go back to I'm... Of course, I don't like have I a said, movie to recommend, but I do have an anime to recommend. <laughs> oh, okay. Here, we'll do... Uh, recommendations and then I'll talk about movies coming out this year and we'll talk about if we're interested in any of them. You go first. Okay, so <clears throat> I just saw the trailer yesterday. My brother showed it to me. If you watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the part six is coming out and part six Ooh. stands out. It's, yeah, animated. Stone Ocean is uh, what it's called. 
Um, and part six stands out from the rest of the JoJo parts because it's the only one with a female protagonist and it takes oh, place cool. in prison. So that should be fun. I'm very excited for it, even though I haven't read the manga and I still haven't finished part five, the anime, but I we'll still to need to finish the manga. I'm so behind. <laughs> like, the manga's overwhelming. You cannot blame yourself. Yeah. Um, let me see what else. I This isn't new, but I recently finished watching Demon Slayer at both the anime and I finished the manga and I think it's a beautiful story I don't like the ending too much but that's a whole different thing uh, but don't do what I did what happened with me was that my nephew and my boyfriend watched it and then they took me to watch the movie so I didn't watch the series with them so I watched the movie and then the series and read the manga don't do that don't go in that order <laughs> yeah, but it's very beautiful story in the beginning because it emphasizes familial love and uh, platonic love, which very rare to see in shonen anime. And it's uh, oh, that's true. The main character is such a he's such a nice guy, like genuinely, he's he's so nice, he's so sweet and a dork. It's great. It, it's a great <laughs> anime. Um, and yeah, those are my recommendations. Okay, you know what? Since me and my fiance have gotten back into watching anime, I am going to recommend an anime he's introduced me to. I haven't finished it, but it is called To Your Eternity. Now, there's this otherworldly being we only know as the Beholder. He creates this white orb that takes on the form of anything it interacts with. First it comes to Earth and it's a rock for a while. Then a dying arctic fox comes by, it dies, and it touches the rock, and the orb turns into the wolf. And right off the bat, the show hits you in the feels, because oh my goodness, I wasn't ready. Alex, my fiance, was like, this one's really emotional. I'm like, okay. First episode, I was crying. I was like, gosh, dirt it, Alex. <laughs> you didn't prepare me well enough. Because <laughs> it's like... It's, I don't want to say that it's dark. I would maybe say it's just, I guess, realistic, but it's also really heartfelt. Like, that's the reason Alex liked it, because he's like, this doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel fake. You know, it's like the feelings feel realistic. And I haven't actually cried at media in a very long time, so I'm like, yeah, this really just hit me, like, right in the heart. Because, see, the orb is, you know, it's the, the point of the orb is to gather debt data you know seek out stimulation so it's learning about the world you know it starts out as a rock and then it becomes a wolf and then it takes on the form of a human and when it's the form of a human it has no idea what it's doing this orb is like i don't i don't know how to eat i don't really know how to how to take care of myself walking was something i had to learn you know it's really genuinely interesting and also what i really like about the person who created the orb he doesn't come off as callous or cruel and he's not like oh I hate humans, humans suck it's like it, it, it's just really interesting, I can't wait to watch the rest of it it's really good but if you cry easily I wouldn't recommend it <laughs> it's still really really good and that is To Your Eternity, it's also a manga and where is it on Netflix or it is on HBO Max actually and also Crunchyroll okay. I think it they're going to have a second season. It's one season. Um, but so far, what I've seen, really good. Really solid. So, let's see. Tomorrow is the first day of December. It's going to be Christmas season. And like I said, even though it's still a pandemic, movies are still coming out. They're still releasing some of them in theaters. Not all of them, though. And not this week, but the weekend of December 10th, we actually have a pretty big release the West Side Story remake. Oh, wow. That's that's a classic. Yeah, so I'm kind of on the fence about this. It is, you know, directed by Steven Spielberg, and he's amazing. But I don't know. What do you think, Snow? I'm not sure how I feel about it being turned into a movie. I, I think it stays. It should stay better as a theater. Unless they're going to do, like, the what happened with Romeo and Juliet, where it turns into a comedy. Well, no, they did actually make a film adaptation of West Side Story a long time ago. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think some things just are better to stay in theater. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I mean, if, if Cats proved us anything, not all musicals <laughs> can be adapted properly. <laughs> oh, will we ever stop racking on the Cats movie? Never. I hope not. <laughs> okay. 
So then, now this I hadn't heard of. I don't know if this is going to be a theatrical release. It's called Agnes. It is a horror movie, and here's the description. Rumors of demonic possession at a religious convent prompts a church investigation into the strange goings-on among its nuns. A, a disaffected priest and his neophyte are confronted with temptation, bloodshed, and a crisis of faith. This sounds like garbage. I'm sorry. <laughs> but when it said temptation, I'm like, oh no, it's gonna be a horny horror film. Not the horny. <laughs> no. That's actually probably another thing we haven't really talked about, but a lot of horror is really horny for no good reason. That is why I can never finish a season of American Horror Story. That's literally why I can never so finish many it. Boobs. <laughs> so many boobs. <laughs> like, see, and I mean, like, also, is it, I think it's, um, Friday the 13th, you know, Pam Crystal Lake, there's always the joke that if you start having sex, Michael Myers is gonna come and kill you, you know? And they always kind of ramp that aspect up in the other movies. But there's just, yeah, so... I'm not into this. Sorry, Agnes. I think I'm gonna skip it. <laughs> now, this one I'm interested in only because it's directed by Guillermo del Toro. It is Nightmare Alley, an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words, hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. Now, this sounds really interesting. First it's of all, Guillermo del Toro. Exactly. I mean, everything this man touches is gold, and it has a good cast. We got. Rooney Mara, the amazing Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, who is amazing. <laughs> and also, we just mentioned him talking about Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe. Heyo. I haven't seen him in anything in a while, and this is based off a book from what I understand, too. I'm going to check to see who wrote it. But, um, yeah, it's been a while since Gilmo made something. I think the last movie he made was, um... Shape of Water? Sh yes. Is see, it's a neo-noir psychological thriller, and it is based on a 1946 novel by William Lindsay. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. I always love whatever he makes, and yeah, it's been about three, four years since his last movie. I so think he I was really, involved in the really production. Excited. Hmm. What I think he was involved in the production of um. I think he was involved in the production of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah, he was. That's right, he that was. That was a good movie. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, yeah, right now, that's really the only big... Okay, now, this was released last week, and I have yet to see it, but Disney released their latest um, animated film, and it's called Encanto. And it takes oh, place yeah. in full... Columbia, I really, really want to see this because it looks pretty, and I like this idea where there's this magical house in the Colombian mountains, and the entire family each is born with a magical gift except for one. And um, her name is Mirabelle, and something starts to happen to the house. Like, the house is alive and everything, and I think it's starting to, like, fall apart or something, and she has to go figure out what's going on. And it looks really pretty. It's received a lot of good praise. I am very excited to go see it. What about you, Snow? <clears throat> I've seen all the praise. Everybody's simping for uh, the muscular girl, the one who can like, lift <laughs> pianos. I've seen that everywhere. <laughs> and there's this the one part of this, this, a Lin-Manuel Miranda is involved in it, which, of course, yay, shout out to Latinos, um, because he is Puerto Rican. Um, but there's a song that's trending everywhere. It's the uh, Turn Up the Tempo. That's the one. I, that song gets stuck in my head all the time. I think my nephew, the six-year-old, has seen it, and he loves it a lot, so... Okay, that's good. Yeah. See, I want to see Eternals, and then I want to see Encanto, because I still haven't seen Eternals, but I do really want to see this. I might go with my mom, just because Alex is not really a, the biggest fan of animated films, but, eh, we'll see. You know what's funny? When you bring up Eternals, it's completely unrelated. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Uh, the trailer to Eternals, in the beginning, you know, that chanting in the beginning... Oh, yeah. I, uh -huh. I was able to clock it. I was like, why does that sound so familiar? I don't think Disney ripped it off, but that's from a video game that was released in 2019. And it's such a niche video game. Like, it didn't do so well in Japan. It's called I, the Sovereign of Files. It's literally the exact same opening 
sound and i clocked it i was like why does this sound so damn familiar and then my brother pulled it up and i was like oh my god (laughs) so whoever did the sound mixing on that uh shout out to you (laughs) yeah kudos to you so that was our first episode back this actually felt good because we have not done this in a very long time and you know what we apologize but both of us have been very busy (laughs) Yeah, I recently joined the medical field in the middle of the pandemic, so please have some patience for me. (laughs) And I am working at a nursery. I'm working at a different one now, but the one I was working at, I was working eight hours and we were severely understaffed. Oh, it was exhausting. So we're going to try to do this twice a month. Um, And like I said, we're also going to try to sort of switch up what we talk about. Um, We're doing two holiday episodes. We're doing one about Krampus, the like in general we're going to talk about Krampus his history um his uh place in pop culture because Krampus sort of started becoming a little more popular again I think like maybe in the early 2000s or the 2010s I remember hearing about him from a horror comedy film that came out but he really took (laughs) off because American Dad made an episode dedicated to him he's voiced by Charles Barkley (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely <laughs> talk about that. But yeah. then I chose Rudolph and Frosty: A Christmas in July. This was the last Rankin Bass special to use Rudolph and Frosty, and it is wild, guys. <laughs> but until then, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.